Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our walk series, which looks at different Bible verses that mention the conduct that we're to have as Christians. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And so I want you to take your Bible tonight. We're just going to get right into the Word of God. Ephesians chapter number 5, or excuse me, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 tonight. Galatians 5. Uh, tonight, and we're going to continue uh, in our series, and uh, tonight we're actually looking in Galatians chapter number 5, and so Galatians 5 tonight, I know the screen says Second John, but we're in Galatians, so plan to be there, Galatians chapter number 5, and we're going through our series walk and what it means to live every day with the Lord, to walk with the Lord, and so last week, if you were with us, uh, we learned about the idea of walking circumspectly, and the word or the phrase circumspectly has to do with uh, walking or living, going through life with careful observation. And we talked about that, going through life with careful observation. And this week, we're going to go to uh, an idea, and it's found in Galatians 5. It's a common thought that we talk about a lot here at Moses Lake Baptist Church. And that's the idea of walking in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And so tonight, you're there in Galatians chapter number 5. It was Albert Einstein that said this. He said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. As many of you know, uh, I, like to, uh, I like to golf, and um, so I'm, I'm not a good golfer. But I like to golf, and I like to uh, take the golf ball out and, and go out and play a, a round of golf. And one thing that I'll tell you, and just be honest, and if, if uh, those who have been golfing with me are watching tonight, they'll know this to be true. But for me, when I have a golf club and I stand up to tee off to hit that first shot, uh, right, when I, right when I go up and do that backswing and follow through and I, I, I hit it, hit the ball the very first time, every single time I hit the ball, um, I do what they call a slice. It goes to the right. And when I say it goes to the right, I don't mean that it just kind of goes a little bit. Uh, when I slice it hard, it goes up in the air, and it's almost like it, do, it just does a quick turn. And it'll go straight up and then just off to the right. And I do that every time I hit the ball. I've done it for years. Well, about 10 years ago, I had uh, somebody at a golf course that I was work, or that I was playing at this is when we still lived over in Tacoma, and, and a, a fellow was there. He was the, the area pro, and he said to me, he said, hey, I can help you fix that slice, and I, I was open for any help that he would give me, and so he came, and he sat down at the driving range where he just hit the golf balls over and over again, and he got me to put the ball on a tee and, and hit it a couple of times, and then he showed me what I was doing wrong. Now, that summer, I'll tell you, that summer... I, uh, I went through and I fixed my slice. And there, it was one, the one summer that about 80% of the time of my hits, I didn't slice the ball because I listened to his instruction. Well, now, 10 years later, I've forgotten what he said. And so when I go golfing, like I did a, a little bit ago, a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe this week, I don't know when it was, recently when I went golfing and I was out there and I hit that golf ball, you know what it did? It went to the right again. It just went up, went right, it just went to the right. Every, every time I'd get up, just go to the right again. 
you know what, if I'm ever going to fix that golf shot, I've got to learn what I'm doing wrong and change it. I can't expect for the golf shot to go straight if I'm going to keep doing the same thing. The thought I want to get at tonight is this, that every single one of us, every single one of us, we have different things that we want to change. We have different things that we see the results we're getting, different things in our life that we see the direction that decisions are leading us or have led us, and we want to change. But the problem is we forget what Albert Einstein said right here. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. I would tell you tonight that there are a lot of Christians who want different results in their Christianity, but they refuse to make different decisions. Many of us continue to make the same decisions over and over and over again, but expect a different result. Many people find themselves stepping into a particular sin again and again and again, or having a struggle maybe with anger or with bitterness over and over again, and they want a different outcome, but don't want to apply the wisdom of God to get that different outcome. And so tonight, we're going to look into the Word of God, and I want us to see a key in making different decisions that lead to those different and really desired results. And it's this idea of walking in the Spirit. And so take your Bible. You're there in Galatians chapter number 5. I'm just going to read one verse as we start. Galatians 5 and verse number 16. Galatians 5, 16, it says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's pray. I know Brian opened in a word of prayer, but let's just pray together for our message time. And I would ask you just in your own home, if you would, just uh, maybe have your heads bowed and eyes closed. And, and there is a family or a single individual, whoever's watching with you, let's just take a moment. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just once again give God permission to speak to us. And it's, it's praying something simple. God, please speak to me tonight. God, I give you permission to speak to me. And then if you would, why don't you make a commitment? Make a commitment to the Lord. God, if you speak to me tonight, I'm listening, and I'm going to make a decision based upon how you speak to me. Dear Lord, I want to come before you and thank you for the word of God. And I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us. I know we can't gather together right now, but we can gather online. We thank you for uh, Robert and his wisdom and Brian, these guys putting this together. Thank you for our church family being faithful to get on and, and to uh, be able to, to view the service tonight. And Lord, I pray that wherever we are, whatever our circumstance is right now, that you would speak to us. I pray that tonight your word would have power. And Lord, I know that this has been a message and a truth that has helped me so much over these last few years and even today, just something to be reminded about. And so Lord, I pray that tonight as we get into the Word of God, that you would use it, that you would shape our faith for the weekend, that you would shape uh, our testimony, and that you would shape our hearts and our minds, our words and our actions uh, to what we hear tonight. And Lord, we'll be faithful to glorify you and praise you for how you speak to us. And we pray that you'd be honored in this time. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
we start tonight, I want us to see as we come to Galatians 5, notice that Paul first off mentions what I'm going to call the struggle. He talks about the struggle. Of course, the letter of Galatians is written by Paul to the churches of Galatia. You can go back, go back to Galatians 1 and find that. And one of the themes of, of, uh, of Paul that he spends time writing about is the daily battle that every believer, the follower of Jesus, every Christian has with their flesh. Uh, he emphasizes it again and again. And then when you come to our passage, if you go, look at the very next verse that we read, we read uh, Galatians 5.16. Look at verse number 17. Notice what Paul says. Galatians 5.17, he said, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Just so we're all on the same page, I want us to kind of be reminded about what the struggle is. He's saying the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary, the flesh and the spirit. They're battling, they're going back and forth. Here's the thought that Paul is getting at, and it's a truth that we've talked about here at our church many times. It's this, that once a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, once you and I put our faith completely in Jesus and him alone and receive him into our life, the Holy Spirit of God moves into our life. The old nature, all right, that sin nature that we're born with, that nature is put to death, and we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. We've been studying this out in our life groups uh, Sundays at 10 as we go through that series, Real Christianity. And this is what Paul wrote about that struggle in Romans chapter 7. Go with me if you would. Take your Bible and turn over there to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and beginning in verse number 15, notice what, notice what Paul writes as he writes about the struggle. He says, for that, which I do, or excuse me, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent under the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, Dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through, Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, if you were to just kind of do a casual reading on that, and I've said this uh, many times before. If you do a casual reading on that, you're confused, royally confused. What is going on? What's Paul talking about? I think Paul summarizes it well in verse 25. He says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There's this struggle going on, and you can sense that struggle, that strife of the two different, uh, um, the spirit and the flesh that's inside of Paul. He's saying, I want to follow the spirit of God, but my flesh is struggling within me. I still have not sin nature. I still have that flesh within me. See, you can't have two natures within you. No, once you get saved, you're given the new nature. Old things are passed away. That old nature is, is passed away. But it's like we've been describing before. If you took a snake or a chicken 
and you cut their head off, man, the body still runs around. It doesn't know that it's dead yet. The same is true with a believer. Once we receive Christ, that old sin nature, the head of sin nature is cut off, but our flesh just doesn't know it yet. And so as you look at our passage in Galatians, Paul, he's, he's talking about that. And he's helping us understand, verse 17, the fact that the struggle, it's real. Man, the flesh and the spirit, they're going at each other. They're contrary one to another. And if you know Christ as your Savior, then, then you know this to be true. That the struggle that you have with the flesh is real. And there are times in your life when you know what the Lord would have you to do, but your flesh leans a different way. It's those times when you want to make the right decision, but that flesh is battling within you. And, and you really just kind of have to overcome the pull of the flesh through the power of the Spirit. And this is the struggle that Paul is talking about as you come to Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 17. But as we look at tonight at the struggle, I want you to notice secondly tonight what we're calling the symptoms. The symptoms. When you look at this, as Paul writes about this struggle between the flesh and the spirit, he gives us the symptoms or the characteristics of the flesh and the spirit. It's as if he were to say, here are ways that the flesh makes itself known, and here are ways the spirit will be known in a life. Look with me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Let's go there, verse 19 through 21. Let's look at this. He says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. He goes through this whole list of things and saying, all right, if a person is continually living under, continually living under the flesh and its influence, here's how the flesh is going to show up in the life or be manifest. The list he goes through. Adultery and fornication. If you were to go, these are physical relationships outside of marriage, any, uh, fulfilling any physical desire outside of marriage. Uh, number two right there, or number three, uncleanness. This means to be recklessly extravagant or wasteful in the use of our resources. Uh, you talk about being unclean. It's just someone who uh, continually feeds the flesh. Number three or number four right there, lasciviousness. This is a fleshly appetite that knows no shame. This is a person who is just kind of leading a sinful life and not caring. Number five, idolatry. Idolatry, we know that. Really, it's just putting anything before God. Sometimes we like to look at idolatry and say, well, uh, idolatry is an idol or bowing down to something. But that's not the case. The case is that anytime we put anything before God, before the worship of God or in God's place in our life, we're committing idolatry. And Paul's, Paul's saying, hey, listen, a work of the flesh, something that the flesh manifests itself in is idolatry. Number, uh, number six right there, witchcraft. This idea, of course, of just witchcraft or sorcery there. But then also, uh, that word witchcraft is where we get our word pharmacy and has to do with, with drugs. And the thought here is people who are giving themselves over uh, to drugs or to something other, some other controlling substance. Number seven, hatred. How would, how would the flesh manifest itself? Well, through hatred. This is having a hatred in my heart 
towards other people. This is having that despising spirit in my heart towards somebody, maybe a coworker or, or a family member or somebody else in my life that hatred. Number eight, variance. The word variance there, it has to do with being contentious and always wanting to pick a fight. Emulation. Emulations is simply jealousy. Uh, looking and seeing what other people have, having that envy and that jealousy there. Number 10, wrath. This would be angry outbursts. This would be uh, me having a, a times in my life when I cannot control my anger and I, it just bursts out in rage. That's where that wrath is. Strife. Strife is self-promotion that creates division. Self-promotion that creates division. Someone uh, who's always boastful and causing maybe the group or the people around them to be divided. Number 12, sedition. That sedition is causing dissension. Uh, it's almost kind of uh, being the one that uh, breaks up things, causing dissension, maybe in a family or in a church or in a group. Number 13, heresy. This is gossip that causes the breaking of relationships. Uh, someone who speaks heresy, a lie, saying lies to somebody that brings a breaking down in a relationship. Envying, this is jealousy that provokes an ill will. Jealousy that kind of provokes action on its part. Murder, of course, killing somebody. Drunkenness, to be drunk. Revelings, this is rioting or fighting. And then I, I love what he closes all of that out with. And such like. It's like Paul, he's just kind of at the end of this saying, you get it. Hey, all of this list, when someone's being controlled by the flesh or leaning toward the flesh, it's pretty apparent. It shows up in their life. Things that you see like adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and this whole list, and things like that. When someone's walking in the flesh, you're going to know they're walking in the flesh. When someone is responding in the flesh, you're going to know. And the truth is, and I want us to think about this very quickly, it's the fact that every single one of us, when we are walking in the flesh or making decisions based upon what we want, not what the Lord would want, we know it. We know when we're doing that. But then he turns the corner, and Paul gives us some of the fruit of the Spirit. And I just want to real quick, I want, to, I want us to see the words that Paul uses, because in Galatians 5.19, he says, the works of the flesh are manifest. But in Galatians 5.22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't use the word works. I meant to put the comment on the screen. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to listen to this, because I like how one man put this. He said, the contrast between works and fruit is important. A machine in a factory works and turns out a product, but it can never manufacture fruit. Fruit must grow out of a life. And in the case of the believer, it is the life of the Spirit. Keep listening. When you think of works, you think of effort, labor, strain, and toil. When you think of fruit, you think of beauty, quietness, and the unfolding of life. The flesh produces dead works, but the Spirit produces living fruit. I know it's a really long statement, but I, I really like that quote. I meant to put it up there. Maybe we can get it in the feed later. But I just like the fact that when Paul is talking about this, he's the fruit of the Spirit, he uses those two different words. The work, something that can uh, that, that is just kind of a, a deed that's going to be done and an action that's going to happen. But the fruit 
This is something that is born out of a walk with God. Paul is helping us understand a little more of what we'll see in a minute, what it means to walk in the Spirit. The fact that you and I, we cannot manufacture the work of the Lord in our life. But I want you to notice, if you will, the ways that if someone is being led by the Spirit, the ways that's going to show up in someone's life, the fruit of that. Notice, if you would, but the fruit of the Spirit, you know the verses. If you're home, you can say them with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Paul says, I want you to see some of the fruit or the characteristics, the outcome of what it means when you're in the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is at work in your life, what's going to show up in your life? Number one, love. This is a love toward God and a love towards others. When I am walking in the Spirit, man, love is going to be something that is embraced in my life. I'm going to be sowing that walk with the Spirit by loving the Lord and loving people. Number two, he says, joy. If you're walking in the Spirit, that uh, walk is going to be identified. It's going to show up through joy. What is joy? It's the in, it's an inward delight that's not affected by circumstances. This is somebody, uh, we, we say this often, happiness is what's on the outside. Joy is what's on the inside. It's a divine, it's a, a, a divine delight, if you will, a divine delight that can only come from God. This is the person who, uh, maybe like on Sunday night when we interviewed my dad about his cancer, somebody who's walking through cancer, uh, that they're going through this whole situation, and yet people can come to them and say, how do you still have joy? Well, that's not a production. That's not something that's manufactured on the outside. That's something that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. It's God, Jesus said through Paul, hey, the Spirit of God, is when you're living in the Spirit, it's going to be identified through love. And then through joy. Number three, you can see it right there. He says through peace. The word peace, it means a heart rest that knows that God is in control and trusts God in everything. And that heart's resting upon the knowledge that I know God's in control and so I have peace. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be worrisome. I'm not going to be full of care. No, instead... I'm going to realize that God has this. And while I may not know the outcome and there may be a little bit of, of uh, intimidation about decisions that are going to be made, I still have a peace that's settled in my heart that, hey, God's in control of this. That only comes through the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, number four, long-suffering. We're talking right now about when somebody is being filled with the Spirit, making decisions based upon the Holy Spirit of God, when that happens, it's going to be identified through love, joy, peace, fourth, long-suffering. This word long-suffering, it means to be or to have a continued endurance without quitting. The word uh, long-suffering, I think this right here is the Greek word, makrothumeo, and it just means to continue on. To continue on and just keep moving no matter what's going on. It's not patience like I'm just going to sit back and wait. It's the desire I'm going to keep moving forward in the things I know to do. And I'm going to trust that God's in control of this. And I've always loved that, that word long suffering there. Continued endurance without quitting. And if someone's walking in the spirit, 
they're going to be long-suffering. They're going to continue moving forward without quitting, even regardless of the circumstances. I'm thinking even about right now. Uh, as a Christian, you and I, we can make a choice during this coronavirus pandemic and everything that's taking place. We can choose that we're just going to hunker down and, and live in fear, or I can just keep living my life in the sense, yes, be cautious, Yes, understand what the government is putting out and, and trying to observe that authority, but I'm not going to just hunker down and never contact people and not try to reach out to folks through social media or something like that. No, I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to stay in the Word of God and stay in prayer. Our song, I'm going to stay steadfast. That's the idea that Paul is getting across. Number five, how else does the Spirit show up in our life? It shows up through gentleness. The word gentleness, it's very simple. It means just to be kind. Man, just to be kind. I'll tell you right now that every single one of us, every single one of us desire for people to be kind to us. And you know what? We should desire to be kind to others. Uh, again, thinking about our current situation, those of you that are kind of cooped up in the, in the family. Uh, I saw a video, a pastor posted the other day just joking around, said it was making him laugh. It was this fellow getting on there and he heard a voice that said, uh, you know, just has his face on there and the voice comes on and says, uh, you're going to be in quarantine. You have option one. You can be in quarantine with your wife and your child uh, for 14 days. Your wife and your child, that's it. That's all you're going to see. Or option B. And as soon as it said option B, he said option B, option B, option B. I want option B. And uh, you know what? That's probably sometimes what a lot of us can be like. We can be cooped up in the same house with, with certain people, maybe with your kids or with your spouse. I hope it's not that way. But in those moments, man, choose to be gentle. Choose to be kind. When I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm going to work at being kind. That, that kindness is going to be a, a fruit of the Spirit that shows up in my life. Gentleness. Notice number six, he says goodness. Another way that the fruit of the Spirit is going to show up in our life, goodness. I'm going to be good to people. The characteristic of being, speaking, and offering good. Uh, one man said that goodness is love in action. It's love in action. Man, just being good towards people around me and doing good and serving. Number seven, how else does the fruit of the Spirit show up? Number seven, it says faith. This means to be continually trusting in the Lord and to be faithful to the Lord. This really, this faith has a dual meaning, to be continually trusting in the Lord. So the fruit of the Spirit's going to show up by me continuing to trust in God through circumstances, but also to be faithful and dependable. Uh, we were talking with the kids yesterday. Lena did the family Bible time. And, excuse me, she, uh, she went through uh, um, Proverbs chapter number 25 and verse, uh, verse 18 and 19. And it talks about uh, having confidence in an unfaithful man is like a, um, a, a broken tooth or a split out of joint. I think that's Proverbs 25, 19. And, and we were talking about trusting in somebody that's not trustworthy. You know what? Someone who's walking with the, with the Spirit of God, someone who is allowing the Spirit of God to be identified in their life, they're going to have this characteristic of being faith and uh, being filled with faith, trusting God, and being faithful. Uh, number, number eight, meekness. The fruit of the Spirit shows up through meekness. This meekness here is really, it's like a humility that is the opposite of self-promotion. It's the opposite of self-promotion. If you remember, we were looking back at the list of, of uh, the, the works of the flesh, and one of them was self-promoting. 
man, this meekness is that humility that's the opposite of self-promotion. It's, it's power under control. It's realizing I could get back, but I'm not going to. I'm going to have that meek spirit. And then number nine, you see there, how else does the fruit of the Spirit show up in my life or the uh, characteristics of the Spirit? It's through temperance. The word temperance there, it means self-control and self-restraint. And I'm going to know when to hold my tongue. I'm going to know uh, what not to do and how not to act. And there's going to be that self-control and self-restraint there. And we look at these things, and here's what Paul is doing. He's highlighting in these verses, verse 19 down through verse number 23, Paul is highlighting the difference of someone who's living in the flesh versus someone who is living in the spirit. And he's, he's basically helping us understand that it can be seen. And the truth is that really what I said a moment ago, you and I know it. Listen, I know when Dennis Fountain is leaning toward living in the flesh, I'm the one who knows it. Yes, other people might be able to see it, but I can see it. But when I'm leaning towards the spirit, there's not a pride of like, wow, I'm leaning towards the spirit. It's just a, it's a, it's a, almost a, an encouragement of, man, Lord, thank you for help. And the glory is deferred to him. Man, God, thank you for helping me with that. That wasn't me. That was totally you. The person who's doing that, man, that the, the characteristics, the works, they're going to be identified. And really, it's going to be identified to us. And so as Paul is writing as a, and uh, he's helping us understand, there's a struggle. Every single one of us, we have an inward struggle of the flesh versus the spirit. There are symptoms, ways to identify whether a person is being led of the flesh or led of the spirit. And that brings us to our final thought tonight. And that's what I want to call the solution. The solution. So how can a person, a follower of Jesus, how can they avoid living in the flesh? How can we find victory? How can we get different results. Uh, You know what? I don't want to have anger anymore. I want to be kind in the home. I want to have that peace and that joy. I've been making these decisions, and these decisions have been leading me one way that hasn't been a blessing. I want to go the opposite way. How do I do that? This is where Paul writes these words. If you would, go to verse number 24 and 25. Here's what Paul says. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I love verse 24, if they that, and they that are Christ, those that have trusted Christ and belong to Him, they're going to be consistently crucifying the flesh with the, affection, with the affections and the lusts. But then notice verse 25, he says these words, if we live in the Spirit, Let us also walk in the Spirit. The thought here is this. Since you have life from the Spirit of God, since you are born into the family of God because of the Spirit of God, since you live in the Spirit, have life because of the Spirit, choose each day to walk in the Spirit. Now, when you and I look at this, I mean, it's kind of like I want to say this back to Paul. Paul, that's easier said than done. Paul, that's easier said than done. I know I've been born into the family of God, and I know that I have the Spirit of God within me, and I live in the Spirit. But Paul, sometimes walking in the Spirit, it's not as easy. It's not as simple. But I want us to understand tonight this thought, that 
walking in the Spirit is probably a little more simple than we make it. We make it this huge thing of, man, I've got to walk with the Spirit all day today, and I've got to walk with God all day. Tomorrow's Friday. I've got to wake up tomorrow and walk with God all day tomorrow. But what we need to understand is walking in the Spirit, it's a simple thought, and here's what it is. I learned this a number of years ago, and it's helped me. Walking in the Spirit is a moment-by-moment decision to be like Christ. I'm going to say that again. Walking in the Spirit is a moment-by-moment decision to be like Christ. You know what walking in the Spirit is? Walking in the Spirit is being sensitive to His leading in my life, not only in the big decisions, but also in the seemingly mundane. Walking in the Spirit is asking the Lord to direct me, not just once in the morning, but throughout the day. It's working to be right with God through the day. If I sin, man, walking in the Spirit means I'm just going to get right with God right away. Lord, forgive me for that thought. God, forgive me for saying that to them. Lord, forgive me for that action. God, I repent of that. I don't want that in my life. It's recognizing the need for God in my life. It is that moment-by-moment decision to be like Christ. It's being quick to offer forgiveness to people. Uh, Walking in the Spirit is being willing to allow the Lord to, uh, the permission to maybe alter my day. I think right now, uh, I'll be honest, with everything going on, man, it's frustrating to me. Uh, Especially, honestly, especially this. I'm a relational person. Our church family, you know that. This is killing me. Uh, to not not be able to look out and to see certain folks sitting in certain places and afterwards be able to walk up and just give a hug. Man, how are things going? What's going on? And spend time as a church family. Man, I, I do not like that. And I'll be honest, uh, man, I faced just in the last couple of weeks the temptation just to kind of get frustrated. Like, God, what is going on? God, why can't you just fix this? You can heal. God, and kind of ha- taking it out on the Lord. But the truth is that if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm going to say, God, you have permission to alter my schedule. God, you have permission to change up how we do church for a few weeks. God, you have permission to allow us to maybe have this time of rest that, that we've been going, 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 and maybe, maybe you've brought this so that we can kind of refocus on what, what's important. I'll tell you, as a follower of, of Jesus Christ, I would say tonight, that during this time, you, you know one of the things I'm realizing is important is our church family. Man, I, I, I'm, I want to ask the Lord to forgive me. God, forgive me for times that I take for granted gathering together. Man, here we are not being able to. I don't want to take that for granted anymore. I don't want to just have a certain, well, I just don't feel like going. No, man, I want to be a church. I want to be with other believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I want to see a guest come in and find out they're a sinner and that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior and put their faith and confidence completely in Him. And I want to see those things take place. I don't want to take it for granted. And so what I'm getting at is just simply this thought that walking in the Spirit is giving God permission, giving Him permission to lead and direct my life. And the problem with most believers about listening to or walking in the Spirit is that we have so much stuff, so much other stuff going on that we drown the Lord out. You see, God wants to use His Holy Spirit in our lives in so many ways. You think about it tonight, John 15, verse 26. When the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from me, He shall testify of me. Man, the Holy Spirit wants to comfort my life. 
and speak truth into my life about who Jesus is. I think about John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Man, God wants to use his Holy Spirit. Do we see it tonight? God wants to use his Holy Spirit to direct every decision that we make. He will guide us into all truth. The, what I need to know and the direction I need to go, all truth, God's going to guide me in that. He wants to use his spirit to direct how we talk. Uh, he wants to use his spirit to direct how we speak to our family and our friends and our coworkers and how we use and interact on social media. God's interested in using the spirit of God to influence that, how we act around our family or in the neighborhood. Uh, God wants to use his spirit to affect how we think and the, the thoughts that go through my mind and how we respond in situations and, and how we respond to problems. Excuse me, God wants to use, uh, he wants to use the Holy Spirit of God to have that, re, that sort of impact in our life each and every day. And really the Lord desires to use his Holy Spirit to affect every aspect of our lives. And if you remember the writings of Paul, that's something that Paul wrote about often. I can go through scripture and we'll just do a few tonight, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Paul said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Man, God wants to use his spirit to work and, and help us understand things from him in our life. I think about Ephesians 5. We were in Ephesians 5, 15 last week to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. A few verses later, Paul would write this. Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Man, don't be controlled by other substances. Instead, be filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. How about what Paul wrote? Romans 8, verse 11 through 13. He said this, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that, hath ra or he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I love what Paul says. Hey, you're not a debtor to the flesh. Don't live in the flesh anymore. Instead, man, yield yourself or surrender to the Spirit of God. It reminds me of what Jude wrote, Jude 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Judas glorifying God, but one of the reasons he's glorifying him, it says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Man, God has, can work a powerful way in your life through his Holy Spirit. I heard it years ago. I don't remember who I first heard it from, but one man said it this way, a Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. A Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. You know what? If you and I approach each day and we don't involve God in the moment-by-moment -moment decisions of trying to be more like Christ, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? God, how do you want me to react? God, what do you want me to say? If we don't include God in our decisions as a follower of God, we're living under privilege. Man, we are living an underprivileged Christian life because here's the, here's the truth, that God, he loves you enough not only to die for you, but then he loves you enough and loves me enough to give the Holy Spirit of God to help us with decisions each and every day. 
That's what walking in the Spirit is. It's that moment-by-moment decision to be more like Christ, or to be like Christ. It's not asking tonight, are you living your life being led by the Spirit of God? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you having the mindset of, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? Lord, how would you have me uh, to complete this task? What would you want my attitude to be like during this? God, how would you have me to treat people? I think about years ago, many of you will remember this, that there was that popular saying going around, WWJD. It was just those four letters, WWJD. What would Jesus do? But you know what I, I think? I think that the devil used that to actually deter or distract people from actually reflecting upon it. Because I heard a lot of times as a teenager, WWJD from somebody who had no clue what it meant. But you know what? Walking in the Spirit is really living with that continual thought pattern. WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Christ do in this situation? What would Jesus say in this situation? I love the verse, John 10, 27. We went through a series a couple years ago, I Will Follow. Many of you remember that theme. And this is one of the verses that we looked at, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I've told you this story before, but I close with it tonight, that many of you know our in-laws, they, my in-laws, they live up in Republic, Washington, and uh, the Perkins family, Pastor Greg and Miss Terry Perkins, and they live up there, and uh, they have a little farm up there. And part of the farm, on the farm, is they have, uh, they have sheep and everything on the farm, and of course do some crops and different things like that, but they have some sheep, and a few years ago, a bunch of their sheep got out of, uh, off of their property and went up onto the main road. And uh, those sheep were causing really a stir on that main road at the main uh, thoroughfare little highway right there next to their house, causing traffic to stop. And by now, cars were lined up and people were trying to corral the sheep. They're just all over the road there. And finally, after a few minutes, someone knew that the sheep belonged down the hill. So they walked down the hill and got Greg Perkins, my father-in-law. And when he got up to the road, he saw folks all over, the sheep all over up there. And he saw them trying to, saw folks trying to corral the sheep and everything. And he, he, he did something amazing. He stood right at the edge of his property. And just as loud as he could, he went, hey, you, real loud. And as soon as he did that, you know what happened? All of those sheep turned and just started walking to him. He turned around walked down their, you know, 100-yard, 200-yard driveway all the way back to the, the gated area, opened the gate. All the sheep walked in the gate. He closed the gate, you know, latched it up. I'm sure he just waved at the people and went right back in the house. Man, people are standing there amazed at this. You know what? When I think of John 10, 27, man, I, I think of that story. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And walking in the Spirit of God is those times when I allow the Spirit of God to say, hey, you, don't go that way. Hey, you, why don't you talk to that person about me? Hey, you, why don't you uh, have this uh, kind act towards your spouse? And it's really just having a moment-by-moment decision to say, God, whatever you want, I'm listening. And we're challenged in the Scripture. Don't live or walk. Don't, don't go through life in the flesh. No, go through life in the spirit. You know what? Instead of 
getting the the results that we've been giving, getting of, of anger showing up, or maybe bitterness, or maybe that lashing out, or that uh, unkind word. Instead of getting those results, I need to change some of the decisions I'm making. One of the best decisions that we could do to get better results, different results, is change this, this decision to walk in the flesh or in the spirit. I want to encourage you tonight, wherever you are, whatever situation you're facing, determine, God, I want to walk in the spirit. But maybe you're out there tonight, you're listening, and you'd say, you know what, I want to walk in the spirit, but I don't even know that the spirit of God is within me. Can I tell you that the only way that a person can have the spirit of God in them is if we've received Jesus Christ into our life. And so I ask you, has there been a time in your life when you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life and save you? A time when you put your faith and trust in him and him alone. You see, the only way that we can have the spirit of God in us, the only way that we can be made right with God is to understand that we're a sinner. We've all sinned against God. And because of our sin, we deserve to go to hell, be separated from God forever. But God loved you and I enough that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to come to the earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did no sin. The Bible says there wasn't even a bad thought in his mind or a bad word on his mouth, that he never sinned. And at the end of those 33 years on the earth, he was crucified on a cross. But they didn't take his life from him. He said, I lay my life down and I will raise it up again. And Jesus is the one that he rose himself from the dead. He was crucified for our sin on the cross. But then he rose again from the dead to prove that he's God. And tonight, if you're out there and you want the Spirit of God in your life, you want to be made right with God, you want to have an eternal home in heaven, you don't get it by being baptized or going to church or by being a good person or keeping some sort of commandment or uh, doing things. You only receive the Spirit of God. You only receive forgiveness from God. You only are made right with God when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life and save you, putting your faith in him. Not in you and what you do, but in him and him alone. I hope that you've made that decision tonight. If you've ever made that decision and you have the spirit of God in you, will you choose tonight? God, this weekend. God, tonight, tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to allow the spirit of God to be at work in my life. I'm going to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church.